welcome to the Encounter Mercy podcast. I'm your host, Vince Dragone, and uh, there is no Father Andy today, but uh, we have a, a, a return guest, Brother Barnabas. How's it going? Good. How you doing, bro? Pretty good. Hanging in there. Uh, you know, we're in the middle of summer now, and uh, we got, uh, it's hot. Um, we've just been enjoying being around together. Normally, we're like hustle and bustle like crazy. But with the whole COVID thing, we're just not really going out and doing a whole lot. So we're spending a lot more time as a family on weekends, which is really nice. So nice. what do you got going on uh, with yourself? Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think here. This past summer, I had my summer kind of broken up into two pieces. The first one, I spent helping one of our monks as an assist, a lab assistant. Uh, he's a biology professor. And he was doing a research project on the effects of nicotine on fish. So <laughs> my my background is in biology. So I, I volunteered just to help him in the lab. And we gave these fish nicotine to see what would happen to them. And uh, anyway, his results weren't like great. But basically, he was trying to see if like fish would eat more or less when they were on nicotine withdrawal. So what was the, the basis of, I mean, what's, why did he... Uh why did he investigate this to begin with? So in, uh, in research for anything for people, you first model things with animals and most people use uh, mice and stuff like that. Okay. I used to work in a research lab where we used monkeys. Yeah. I remember you saying uh, that the first time we talked to you. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's kind of a controversial thing, but uh, anyway, doing it with fish is kind of like a first phase thing just to, to see like, you know, fish have receptors in their cells that will react to simple chemicals like nicotine. So he wanted to see if uh, that would affect their behavior. Right. Um, which have you ever, uh, have you ever heard of Jordan Peterson? Yes. Uh, I've listened to a lot of his lectures. Yeah, dude, Jordan Peterson in his first book, 12 rules of life, he talks about how lobsters behave and makes a lot of comparisons in that first chapter about lobsters as well as other animals and how we can learn a lot about just animal behavior. And, uh, you know, we're, we're very complex as humans, but um, scientific studies on animal behavior have been useful for decades upon decades for human studies. Oh, that's, that's really cool. So were there any, uh, did the fish end up eating more? Did, were they more active? Did they die? What, what was kind of the result there? Yeah. Well, some of them died when we dropped them on the floor when we were trying to, <laughs> yeah, it was messy, but um yeah, I, it was kind of a weird like curve where the ones like the the ones that did weren't exposed to nicotine, they were like, okay, fine. But then the ones right in the middle range exposure, they seemed to eat or like eat more when they were on withdrawal. I think. Okay. Versus the other ones, but he's still analyzing the data. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I had some experience with nicotine. I chewed tobacco for a little bit of time in college, and yeah. uh, it wasn't really fun. Um, it'll kinda, get you. Yeah. Glad I kicked the habit for sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this kind of ties into our, our topic today. Um, I really wanted to talk, um, you know, about how we're connected with nature through, mm -hmm. through God, cause he's the one who created everything. Um, but w what I originally was going to lead in on, but this was kind of perfect was, you know, lately, uh, mainly because of the whole COVID, uh, outbreak, um, after experiencing shortages uh, in the grocery stores, 
and sometimes not being able to get the food that we wanted. Now we're very fortunate. We didn't starve and we, we definitely did not go, you know, without, but just to kind of insulate ourselves in the future. Cause I fully anticipate this happening again in the fall, or if it's not this, it could be something else in the future, even if it's not this year, next year, or 10 years from now. And, uh, so we decided that we want to be a little bit more self-sufficient. So we have a garden going on. Uh, mm-hmm. We started uh, canning food um, to kind of put things away. And uh, it's just something that, you know, God kind of gave all of this to us um, for our use and for our being smart and using it as well. You know, just because I can get, you know, 50 tomatoes that are going to be coming up doesn't mean I have to gorge myself and eat them all now, but I can help, I can put them away and, uh, you know, and pretty much eat them all, all winter long. And, and part of that where I find is just fascinating is just on the, and I don't understand any of this because I'm not a biologist or chemist or anything, but like how we're able to, to take that organic matter and put it in a jar and heat it up and it's going to be shelf stable for years. Mm. it's like there was some kind of design that went into all of that. That doesn't just happen. Mm. And, uh, and, and just the way we're able to store food and to create food. Um, and then also to be able to give back to the land based on our smart use of growing that food, composting, for example, like how cool is that? Like whatever I don't eat, I can throw in a compost pile out back and in a year or two, it's going to turn into awesome soil that I can put back on the, uh, in the garden, yeah, to, dude. To grow food again. And it's just, to me, it just blows my mind. It's so simple and farmers have been doing it for thousands of years, but it's still just something it's, I just have a hard time comprehending. Like, yeah. this is amazing. There's something it, more it, here. It reminds me of that scene from Lion King when Mufasa takes Simba off to the mountain. He's like, Simba, you see the grass the antelope eat the grass and then we eat the antelope and then we die and we help the grass grow and they, eat, you know, like the whole circle the of life. Circle thing. of life. Yeah. And it's cool how, um, for those people that really delve into, uh, science, how you can, you can look at it and be like, wow, this is all like some, somebody very interesting made this whole thing work together. You know, everything has a reason, everything has a purpose. Um, you know, there's even, uh, a neat thing I learned once that, um, sea anemones and hermit crabs have a symbiotic relationship with each other. Really? What does that mean? It means that they're friends, right? And uh, it might just be a friendship of utility, you know, which is a uh, philosophical kind of way to understand a certain first level friendship, kind of like if you're on a, you know, friendship basis with someone that you get something from, like, oh, you're paper boy, you become friends with them, he gives you a paper and you give him money. But hermit crabs, they will actually lift up anemones off of the ocean floor and put them on their shell and walk around with them. And then what happens? The hermit crab is protected from getting eaten because the anemone will sting things. And then the, uh, the anemone doesn't have any feet. It gets to walk around and grab things in the water that it otherwise wouldn't be able to get. Like, how cool is that? <laughs> yeah, that's no, uh, that's no happy accident. Like yeah. Bob Ross would say that's, uh, yeah, that, that that's, it's designed and it's, it's, it's just something that you can kind of contemplate. Like mm-hmm. I always, I don't know about you, but, um, aside from, you know, in deep prayer in church, um, I feel connected, you know, to God and creation whenever I'm actually out in it. 
um, as opposed to just sitting on my couch. Yeah. Um, and you know, just some of the amazing experiences I've had just sitting alone and just looking at trees or birds or deer or just the water, you know, where we live, uh, in Erie, we have the lake. So I can go to the lake within, uh, three minutes of my house and just sit there and watch. I, I think I would agree with you and most people would agree with you, Vince, but can you actually explain what it is that you're experiencing when you're, when you're there? Like, what is that like? If you had to put words to that. Awe. If I had to come up with one word, it's awe. Yeah. Um, and just, there's just something more, I don't, I don't know, the feeling of just being primal and simple, like taking, you know, starting gardening again. Um, just something really simple about that, that we've been doing for such a long time, uh, that we were kind of created to do, um, being out in, 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 the, in nature, you know, not in my climate controlled house or my, my truck, um, there's just something, um, like instinctive about it and knowing that, you know, I'm just so, um, small in all of creation Yeah. in that, uh, the decisions that I make, um, have an effect on the environment around me. And yeah. I think that's something that we, uh, kind of take for granted, especially in our throwaway culture today. Um, yeah you know, you know, let's tear that tree down to make some paper. Um, you know, let's strip mine a whole area so that we can have our fossil fuels. And there's, I think there's a balance. We need some of that stuff, but right. at, the, at the, end, uh, the end of the day, if we're just going to be throwing it away within 24 hours, like, um, I guess the majority of paper that's made isn't even recycled and it's barely mm-hmm. used, you know, it's used one time and then just thrown away. Yeah. And we have something, you know, we, God gave this to us, but we can't, uh, just because we have power and dominion over, it doesn't mean we need to abuse that power. Um, and, and I guess whenever I'm just out alone in nature and just seeing something that's undisturbed, it's just something that, um, just brings joy. And again, awe is really what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. Here at St. Vincent, we have a lot of beautiful trees and, uh, this past summer, for whatever reason, somebody made the decision to cut a bunch of them down on campus. And, you know, I, I didn't meet anyone that was like, Oh yeah, that was a really great thing to do. It was like, Oh man, why did they cut these trees down? No, I guess the trees were kind of dying and becoming dangerous. Like the limbs could have fallen on people or something. But there's something in us. that's like, when you see a tree get cut down in your own yard, you're not happy about it. Normally you're like, wait a minute. You know, I I just had to cut down two of them uh, a week ago. Yeah. Because they were getting dangerous. And yeah. uh, now I took just about everything I could from that after they cut it down and turned it into wood chips for mulch and stuff in the compost pile. So I'm going to reuse it. But but I, I get that. Those were trees that have been there for longer than I've lived in this house. Right. And, uh, and now they're gone. So Right. And I mean, it's when I was a kid, there was uh, this guy I saw cut down a giant tree in our neighborhood. And he just did it like he's one of those real tree guys that climbs just freestyle with a chainsaw yeah. and he's just going from the top. I was like, dude, that's a life goal right there for me. <laughs> so that's cool. But I think that the point I'm feeling as you're talking, Vince is, you know, we could be like whatever about the environment until it's actually in our backyard. Yeah. Like, well, gosh, don't cut my tree down. Right. You know, or for me, like as a, as a fisherman, man, I think that the, uh, the best people, the best, because a lot of people will judge like fishermen for hurting the fish or hunters for 
hurting the animals. But the people that take care of the environment the most, I think, are like the people that harvest things from it because they want to preserve the the resources that they're trying to harvest. Most you know? certainly. And if you live in the United States and you're a hunter or fisherman, um, you're supporting conservation with your tax dollars. Mm. Every time you buy a gun or fishing tackle or ammunition, um, the Pittman-Robertson Act, um, there's a there's a fee, there's a, there's a extra tax that, that ends up being distributed to the states for conservation. Um, so, and I, I believe the, uh, the money is distributed by how many hunting licenses in each state. So Texas has the most just because of the biggest Pennsylvania, where we have the second largest amount of, um, people with hunting licenses. So we get the second amount, second most amount of money from the Pittman Robertson act that those funds to go to conservation in, in Pennsylvania. And I think it's just so cool. Um, and this was something that was created, uh, in the thirties, uh, by fishermen and, uh, and hunters and other sportsmen on their own. Cause nobody wants to tax themselves. When was the last right. time, you know, you rose your hand and said, yeah, uh, tax me some extra money. But, right. But sportsmen understood that this was a need because we had clear cut forests. We had in Pennsylvania, we had no elk anymore. Um, you, we had, you know, nature was, uh, in, in bad shape, uh, at the turn of the century. Yeah. And so, and so sportsmen stepped up and said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll foot the bill on this one. And that's the way it's been. And it's, and it's great. I'd love to see that. And you know, what's sad is that, you know, the environment has become such a political issue, right? Like if you oh, say yeah. you care about the environment, people automatically say, Oh, you're, you know, a you're raging a liberal or something like yep. that. And, uh, that's why I like, you know, talking about it maybe from the hunting or fishing aspect, because most people stereotype a hunter or a fisherman as being like a conservative, you know, person. Well, yeah. If you've um, ever seen Bambi, then you know that hunters are evil. Right. You know, that's, that's how they're, they're portrayed, but it's, it's the opposite. Now there are some yeah. bad apples and there are bad apples everywhere. Um, yeah. you know, and as a, as a part-time game warden, I responsible for, uh, um, catching those violators, but yeah you know, the majority of people I talk to are doing the right thing. And, you know, they're, if it wasn't for them and their contribution, we wouldn't have kind of the things that we have because unfortunately, uh, a lot of municipalities, a lot of States, a lot of countries, uh, just don't see the need to, to spend money on conservation or they look at it as, um, it's a nice to have, not a need to have, yeah, and so let's spend more money on our military funding or whatever else it is, um, and that's really unfortunate because once we lose all that, then you know we've we've lost a lot more than than just trees in the woods. Yeah, um, and, and I mean, look at like uh, where people go for vacations. You know, like some people might go to places like New York City or like nice big developed areas, but most people go to the beach, go to you know the woods somewhere, yeah, somewhere mountains. that's naturally beautiful, Yeah, you know, and even, even still, if you go to a city, you know, I think I've heard that during the coronavirus, major cities have actually cleared up their smog because, uh, there's been less cars and emissions and stuff. So you can actually see a little bit more in these major cities, uh, maybe more so in China and stuff. But, um, you know, I guess you don't really realize the filth that you live in. It's kind of like being a smoker. I walked into a, a rectory, uh, two, two monks, I was visiting them and 
they just moved in and the priest before them, he was a smoker. And I walked in that house immediately. I said, are you guys smoking in here? They're like, no, the guy before us smoked here. And they said, eventually they, they forgot that it smelled like smoke because they're so used to living there. But for me, it was like instant, you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like if you want to study the, uh, the health of a stream, go see if there's any salamanders in that stream, right? If there's no salamanders in the stream, you have to ask, oh gosh, what's going on here? Because salamanders or little macroinvertebrates like mayflies and stuff, they're the first signal that the water's healthy. Yeah. Because if there's some like bad water in there, instantly it's, uh, it's like, uh-oh, these things are going to die. And then next thing you know, the fish die and then the plants die. And then it's just like the St. Vincent Creek down here that's all filled with pollution. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, totally. And, you know, St. Francis of Assisi, um, you know, there are, I guess there was a firsthand account that he would call just about all creatures, no matter how, how small, even if it was an ant, he'd call them yeah. brother and sister. And I think that when you, when you do that, when you look at these other organisms as something that you are related to, uh, it helps us to reflect on a relation, I guess, a relationship with the world and how connected we really are. And yeah. uh, according to St. Or I'm sorry, according to Pope Francis, I'm going from St. Francis to Pope Francis here and his uh, encyclical Laudato Se, um, he talks about, you know, if we reject this relationship with everything else around us, you know, our attitudes will um, be that of masters, consumers, ruthless expo- exploiters, unable to set limits on their immediate needs. And that's whenever we just get rid of everything around us because it doesn't, if it doesn't fit the need immediately, then we don't need it. Then we don't want it. And so cut the tree down or, uh, you know, let's find, you know, and push the bears out of the woods. And that's one thing that we see all the time, just as uh, as a side note, just as a, as a game warden, every time there's a new development being built, uh, we start to have bear problems in the area mm. because they're running out of, you know, they're, losing their home. Now I'm not saying that it's, it's bad to, to build things. Of course not. You know, we, we need to, we need to be able to survive and live, but we also need to take into consideration, you know, the impact that that has and, and try to find a way to, um, to accommodate those other animals, those other species who, um, who will suffer because of it. Yeah. Yeah. The big word I think is stewardship, you yes. know, yeah. to become, stewards, you know, managers of what God has given us, you know, like if people understand how to steward their own money, but, uh, you know, they know that money runs out, but we think that just like bears are, oh yeah, they'll be fine. We'll just like do whatever we want. But, uh, what you said about Pope Francis is, uh, is not just his idea, but affirmed by the Catholic church's teachings. Um, the catechism of the Catholic church Paragraph 341 says this, the beauty of creation reflects the infinite beauty of the creator and ought to inspire the respect and submission of man's intellect and will. Wow. The beauty of the creation reflects the infinite beauty of the creator. I think that's a a really, uh, you could do a whole podcast on that line. You know, that when, uh, just like you said, you're struck with awe, you know, I think that's what beauty does it's a response to true beauty is you're just struck with awe it's like when adam saw eve and he just said woman like wow 
you are beautiful, you know? Um, and, uh, I think that that's true in other ways with just seeing some beautiful things, um, that you really can't see on your TV when you're just sitting there watching TV. Oh yeah, certainly not. I'm all about getting out there and enjoying nature, man. And I think the more we are removed from it, uh, the harder it becomes to, to want to preserve it. And, uh, what you had talked about, you know, with being a steward of your money. And I, I think it really comes down to some, there are people that, that cannot manage their own money. And it's obvious you know, if you just look at the amount of debt that um, people have, including our, our own nation. But I think we all know when we're, we should be stressing out about our money situation. When the bank account dips, you, everyone has a certain point when their bank account dips between a certain amount, they start to get a little antsy. And because they know where their money comes from and they know that if I make this bad decision and buy something that I really just want to have and don't need it, then some of that money is going to go away and I'm going to get antsy. So maybe I should save up a little more. I think where, um, when it comes to our environment and everything around us, we don't know, a lot of us don't know, uh, where this stuff, this stuff comes from. And so we don't understand it. Therefore we don't know, how to take care of it. Mm. And it really, I mean, look at, um, you know, people not knowing where their food comes from, you know, the the amount of people who have no idea how to, to butcher an animal because they've never needed to do it before. Um, Dude, wait, stop there. I have two things to say that I hope are okay for this podcast. The first one is, have you ever drinking, uh, like unprocessed milk right from a cow? Uh, I've not had it directly from the cow, but I've had it in a, jar process. Well, not okay. like not raw milk. Yes. <laughs> yes. I had raw milk. One. I, I just couldn't stop drinking it. It was so good. Somebody brought it into work one time and I was like, this is the great, cause I like to drink milk, mm-hmm. but this was the, it was the greatest milk I'd ever drink. And you know, it, it, it was obvious to me that like, wow, this whole organic thing. Now I understand what these people are talking about. This is good. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the second thing, Vince, um, so I've, I'm all, I agree totally that, um, people, especially men, you know, like maybe this could get another topic, but I think men should have an experience of having to harvest an animal, even if it's just a fish to understand what that's like to have food on your table. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I was talking to some guys in campus ministry a couple of years ago about this and I was like, yeah, dude, I think that we should, uh, we should have every guy like learn how to you know, butcher an animal or shoot a deer or whatever. And there's this one kid, he's like, well, I live on a farm and, you know, I butcher animals all the time. And I'm like, okay. And then he starts telling me about like how he kills a pig or how he kills a cow. I'm like, wow, this is okay. More details than I need to know. But then, <laughs> but then he, uh, he's like, well, here, let me show you on YouTube. So he goes on YouTube and he's showing these videos of like how this happens. And I'm like, wow, okay. This is definitely farm stuff. Well, Meanwhile, I, I, we plug the, the, the YouTube video into my TV in my apartment that I lived in. And so we're watching and there's a giant window, right? Like my whole wall, there's like four walls in a room. My one wall is an entire window. There's people walking past, obviously like probably seeing the monk watching somebody slaughter a pig on YouTube. I'm thinking, okay, we need to, <laughs> maybe we should just talk about this and not be playing these videos. Someone's going to call the cops. Uh, that's funny, but a lot of people don't know where their food comes from. Right. And, uh, 
I'm not saying that everyone needs to go out and uh, gather their own meat, you know, kill their own animals and, and, and do that, but to at least understand that, you know, it's not industrial farming that should be how we uh, get our food. You know, you, you, you look at, so industrial farming, both on your fruits and vegetables and your meat side of things. So your, your meat side of things, you have, uh, you know, your chicken and your cows and your pigs and these giant feedlots and they're so close together and they're just eating grains and they're not eating grass and they're, uh, and they have a stressful life and they're just pumped full of antibiotics because it's just the perfect breeding ground for, to spread whatever it is because they're so close together. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas you look at, you know, an organic farm or someone, it doesn't even have to be certified organic, but you know, your grass fed past your beef and your, and your, uh, and your pigs and your free range, somewhat free range chickens, um, where the animal isn't so close to other animals where it needs to have antibiotics, a schedule of antibiotics throughout its whole entire life. It's a lot less stressed out. And it's just part of being a steward to, to, to these animals in our care. Um, no, I'm not a farmer, but I hope to someday own some animals. I'd like to be able to raise our own beef, but, um, it's, it's understanding that, you know, they don't have to come from these giant like warehouses, just full of packed full of animals. And then on the other side of things, so your crops, you know, there's, there are farms that nothing will grow there unless every year you double the amount of fertilizer you put on the ground because mm -hmm. the, there are no nutrients left in the soil. Mm -hmm. And that's not good. All that fertilizer, all the, the different uh, herbicides and, and, and everything else that goes into that ground, that goes into your food and it's not taking care of the ground. It, you know, you'd have runoff issues with water. So you have to deal with, um, you know, uh, contaminated water and fish kills and all that other stuff downstream from that. So it, it all kind of just, if we all just had an idea of where our food came from, we can make better choices to maybe not buy that really cheap steak at Walmart because it's affordable, but maybe spend a little bit more money on a cut of meat that maybe isn't what we wanted to have or just spending more money on that cut of meat with a local farmer or someone who raises their animals in a, um, I guess being a steward to those animals. Um, yeah. then, then the world could be a better place and yeah. it takes just as much land to raise all that, the pastured cattle compared to the feedlot cattle. Cause you still need all that land for hay if you're going to have them all in a, in a feedlot. So why not? Yeah, you're gonna spend a little bit more money for your your meat, but at the end of the day, it's that's a sacrifice I'm willing to to make. Yeah, yeah, I like what you're saying, Vince, because this conversation can be kind of nice and theoretical until you get to, oh well, gosh, well, what do I do? You know, right. I'm not a farmer, I'm not doing it. Well, man, when's the last time that you supported your local, you know, fresh food, uh, vegetable? What do they call it? Farmers market. Like a farmers you market. Know? Yeah. Like, man, you can get some really good stuff there. And uh, it supports your local community people, especially now during a time where the economy needs to kind of bounce back. Like, I don't know. I, I'm guilty of definitely going to Walmart to get stuff. Oh, we, we do too. We, we go to Walmart once a week. But gosh. But we're trying know. to, yeah, we're at least trying to offset some of that with uh, one, growing our own. Yeah. Because that's something that I, it's, I think it's really important. Just like to know where your, your meat comes from. Know where your vegetables come from. Know how to grow them. 
Um, you learn a lot just by taking care of your own, your own food. And you also appreciate it more and you're not going to waste as much. Yeah. Like I had a, I picked up a pepper and I put it on the counter and forgot about it for a couple of days and started getting a little mushy. I'm like, Oh no, I grew this thing. I'm not going to just let this thing (laughs) wither and throw it away. Like we're going to make, we're going to, we're going to cook it tonight. Right. And, uh, and we used it and just, you know, just being smarter about it again, no throwaway culture. Well, here's, uh, here's a question maybe to tie this back to, uh, God too. Uh, I've often thought this question, right? Let's say Vince right now, um, electricity in in the entire world just shut off except for this podcast so that we can keep talking. So electricity shut off every single cell phone stopped using like all technology somehow just stopped working altogether. Right. Not that technology is bad and it's a gift like in our intellect that man's been able to make it. But what can we learn about how God created us when we remove uh, technology, do you think? That is an excellent question. Repeat that last part of it. What can we learn? What What can can we we learn about how God created us when we remove technology? Like, for instance, I'll give you an example. Let's just look at your own household, right? So let's say technology in your household is gone and in your town, like you can't rely on anybody else, everyone in the whole town. So now it's you, your wife and your kids. How would you conduct yourselves according to God's plan? Well, for one, I'm going to be really hot and sweaty because I'm not going to have air conditioning, (laughs) but two, and this is something that we've, we, we try to do on, on a regular basis, but to, depend on our neighbors and to give to our neighbors in a way that we kind of have a small community where we help each other. And I think Mm. that would, if that were to happen, you would see more people doing exactly that and to rely on each other um, and to be nicer to each other because you're going to help each other out. Right. You know, I may have one thing uh, or a skill that you need and you're going to have one thing or a skill that I need and we're going to, we would, I think live a more simpler life. I can tell you right now, most people would probably be called to prayer immediately um, because they don't, they're not going to know what to do. There's going to be a lot of people that would not know what to do. And we would be just as much trouble as anybody else because, you know, we'd, we'd have a, a refrigerator that died and we'd have to hurry up and figure things out. And that's why we're canning some foods. But we would need to just stop and surrender and put our trust in God, I think. Um, and he will provide. And that doesn't mean I'm going to sit here and wait till the food shows up, but I'm going to conduct my life in a way that's maybe not so selfish. Um, in a way to, uh, to make sure that my family's taken care of as well as the people around me, because you're going to need that support system. You're not going to be on an Island by yourself. Right. What, What do you think on that? Well, let me, do you mind if I keep asking you some Socratic method questions here? Sure. Because I've thought a lot about this question in terms of different aspects of even uh, controversial things in the culture, politics now. Like, all right, let's say technology is gone, right? It's you, your wife, and your kids, and you're just going about your deal, trying to get food. Like, okay, well, you have your neighbors and stuff. But like Vince, there's no more Walmart, no more Giant Eagle. How are you going to get food? Well, like I said, luckily we're 
trying to grow food. Um, so there's that and saving seeds so that I can grow food next year. Um, and who's going to do that? My family. Which ones? Myself, my wife, and my daughter. How old's your daughter? She's and four. She, she's four and she's our, I teach her everything. Your, that is your four-year-old daughter going to help you farm? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So far, so good. Uh, she's actually really helpful. She waters them all at night, but my wife and I, okay. that's how we would, that's how we and would then, do that. And then who's going to take care of your daughter? Like, but you you have your daughter then as well. Yep. So who's going to take care of your daughter? Uh, my wife and myself. Right. So you have farming to eat food and you have a daughter to take care of. So how do you figure out like how to, what, what would be the best way to divide and conquer that situation in terms of how to get everything done by the end of the day, do you think? Well, for one, uh, I wouldn't be going to work anymore because I work in an electronics field. Right. That's done. Right. So I'm going to have a lot more time on my hands. Um, so I would also have to figure out a way to, uh, to heat the house in the wintertime. So I'd probably gonna be splitting wood right now too. Yeah. Um, and who's going to do that? Myself. And, and your wife could probably do that too. Yeah, she probably could, but just the whole manual labor thing. I don't want to have to force her to do that, but you know, that's what people had to do. Actually, a lot of women used to split firewood. A lot of people, a lot of women still split firewood. So right. yeah, I shouldn't but be and, saying that. And, and I'm, I'm thinking even, uh, in terms of this divide and conquer thing, this isn't supposed to be a, like a sexist kind of point here, but let's, let's carry this thought further. Right. So like maybe just stuff like splitting firewood or like, not, I'm not talking about just like putting seeds in the ground, but like tilling the soil. Mm-hmm. Once again, there's no tractor. Like here's like a hoe by hand with like a horse or a mule or whatever, an ox. So like, that's pretty difficult. Right. Oh yeah. And then like, okay, if you want to get some meat, there's no guns, you know, go find some meat, Vince. You know, how are you going to do that? Uh, probably going to do some fishing, some very primitive fishing or yeah. archery. I mean, if, am I allowed to still have my bow that I have? Uh, sure. Okay. Well then there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, guess, I guess whenever I think about these things, it's like a, uh, kind of a, a God given thought to be like, maybe gender roles aren't like just a negative, uh, Western patriarchal thing, no, they're, but, they're, but maybe not. there's like, like some design that God has made us equal, but of course different. Right? They, they certainly complement each other. Um, and, it, and if people haven't been like, oh, okay, well, why can't you just switch the roles up? Okay. Well, let's say you have another baby during this time, right? Who's going to take care of the baby? Right. It's not, I'm not the one giving birth. I don't have the milk. Right. Um, now yeah. you both, of course, are taking care of the baby. Gosh. But like yeah, but, when but the, nourishing the, the baby for the first year right. of its life is, is going right. to be my wife. Like if, I, if your wife dies, how are you going to take care of that baby, Vince? That's, I'm going to have to get a cow and just fresh milk <laughs> right from the cow. Back to that. <laughs> and then what happens, if, what happens if somebody breaks in your house and says, give me all your stuff? Who's going to, how are you going to defend yourselves? Well, you said no guns anymore? No guns. Well, l- luckily there are other ways to take care of that. Right. Uh, and who, who is physiologically more oriented toward doing that? Most likely myself. Right. Just like, if you think about it, you know, God has made, he made like us even physiologically in our bodies. This is like a theology of the body thing to 
kind of, it sounds like a stereotypes, but really to, to help divide and conquer these different roles oh, certainly. to take care of, you know, we're not just focused on, cause we have such an individual individualistic culture that focuses, you know, cause we have all this gifted technology. So now we have the freedom to sit and talk and podcast and do whatever we want. But whenever you think back to like, how did God make us? He made us to love him, to serve him, to be with him in this life and in the next, uh, but not to do that in isolation, to do that together in the family mode. And man, sometimes when you, you think about these things, it helps you realize, oh, there's something good to this, having different roles to do stuff, you know? Now, how to continue those roles, even with technology today, things are a lot more fluid, of course, but I think there's still something good to you, Vince, being a man, like getting out into nature, like you would have had to a thousand years ago to go bring meat home for your family, you know? And even the the goodness of you having to go bond with other men, because you're much more likely to bring meat home to your family when you're with other men trying to also help them bring meat home, you know, and uh, just all these, you know, you can really kind of think about this stuff. Well, it's funny how like one topic where we started to where we are now sounds so different in two different topics, but mm. they're, they're tied together. Everything's tied together back to God. Yeah. And even if we continue down this road, we're still going to get back to God. Right. And uh, you know, there's, that's why you know, we, we, we could talk for days uh, on this kind of thing. And, uh, and you know, I, I like those, those mind games, just kind of thinking through what if, what would you do? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's something that just being contemplative and I really want to have a, an episode in the future just on being contemplative. And I think you'd be a perfect guest for that. But, you know, right now, you know, if I have a question, if, I, if something pops into my head, or someone asked me like, Hey, what do you think? Uh, how, how many, how many legs do you think a, a millipede has? Uh, instead of just kind of thinking of a millipede in my head and just have maybe just making a random guess or an educated guess based on what I've seen in the past. No, I'm going to pull up my phone. And I'm going to Google it. Yeah. And I'm not going to contemplate those things. Just simple little things. Cause who knows if I were to just engage that in my mind where that would lead you know, into other thoughts. I might come up with an idea. We don't do that anymore. It's just simple. Hey, Google, what, uh, you know, what's the answer to this? And then you get that answer and then you move on to something else. Yeah. And, uh, I really wish you would slow down and just start to think of things more. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sitting here on my phone trying to Google this quote. Um, someone more versed in reading than Google searching can, uh, help I'll fill in the gaps here, but, um, there's a saint who says that, uh, the book of creation is one of God's ways of revealing himself, right? Like we have the old Testament, the new Testament, and then we also have creation itself that we can discover who God is just by simply looking at creation and how he ordered it. He kind of like tells us stuff about himself and even about ourselves too. You know, and if we like slow down enough to spend time appreciating nature and even getting our hands dirty in it, such as what is it like to go out and interact with it, um, we can really learn a lot about how God has made us. And, you know, I can give countless examples of my own life, just being out in the woods on camping trips or out fishing or whatnot up in a deer stand. um, And you just really experience God. It's awesome.
Yeah. Um, I mean, you look to the Psalms to see just how much that, uh, you know, God is in everything Mm -hmm. and in all that he created is wonderful in creation. Um, there's, there's, I was just looking up some of them before this podcast and, uh, there's tons of them. Um, I'm not going to read them because there's a lot of them, (laughs) but just going off of that. As a uh, doe yearns for water. So do I yearn for you, O Lord. That's one of my favorite ones right there. Yeah. As a doe yearns for water, man. Have you ever been like so thirsty that the only thing you want is water and how we just take that for granted? Yeah. You know, like, oh gosh, I don't want iced tea. I don't want Kool-Aid. All I want is water, man. I used to work landscaping and you get so hot. You're like, just give me a nice glass of water. Yeah, dude. I did asphalt one summer for uh, uh, just for $10, a, $10 an hour and yeah. just in college. And uh, yeah. I mean, $10 an hour is a lot for us then, but uh, it was hot. And I just remember water. Yeah. One time we didn't have water because we ran out and I was dying. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, I think we're going to end this here. I think we had a good conversation um, thanks for coming on. Thanks, dude. In, in such short notice, we really appreciate it. And uh, we're gonna have you on more often. I think. I mean, we keep saying that, and you keep coming on. So I guess that's just that's just what it is. Yeah, dude. Well, sorry for my technology. Speaking of technology, maybe I'm so against it because it took me a half hour to figure out the technology to get onto this podcast tonight. So <laughs> anyway, that's okay. The listeners don't don't know about your struggles. That's right. Well, now they do. Now they do. Yep. So. Well, you, have any, you have any last words? Any last words? I guess I just say, you know, a lot of times there can be like, well, gosh, I'm not a nature person. I don't hunt fish or hike or whatever, you know, and a lot of times you just need, like, if you are a nature person, you like to do that stuff, take somebody else under your wing and show them, you know, if you ask anybody how they learn how to fish, it's usually like so-and-so, my dad, my uncle, my grandpa, my mom, my dad, somebody showed me how to do it or hunt or like my dad, he doesn't do any of those things, but he taught me, he loves going to ride bikes in the mountains. Just find something that you can initiate to do or ask somebody to help you do out in nature. And you won't be like, wow, I wish I never learned how to do that. You know, I wish I would have spent more time watching TV, said nobody ever. Right. So get out there, man, just do it. Exactly. Even if it's, you know, even, even if you're unable to do a lot of those things, you know, based on whatever your circumstances are, you're going to be able to find something that you enjoy just being outside. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've never said, wow, I wish, yeah, I wish I could watch more TV. Yeah. Even just go sit on your porch rather than go watch TV tomorrow night. Just do that. That's a good start. Yeah. That's a great start. Alrighty then. Thanks, Vince. Hey, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. So, uh, for everybody else, you can find us on EncounterMercy.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, drop us a line. Um, we'd really like to hear from you and uh, and what would you what you would like to hear from us in the future. So peace out, everybody. <laughs>